Sup. What's up, bro? I think we started. Yeah, I mean, I think we're live on Facebook. I oh. Don't know. oh, there we are. We are live on Facebook. You know what we should start doing? I feel like you should do the intro instead of me. I will do the intro. This is Heat in the Kitchen. Episode like uh, 13, 14, something. About 14. Yeah, no. we're getting up there. Um, yeah. It's been weird because like in the last five months, we've filmed like three episodes i know like one we did on zoom and that was just kind of weird it was basically like four people hanging out and just rambling yeah. uh mainly i mean probably me and then you and i arguing um so yeah so man what have you been up to uh i've been up to non-stop working i know working, i working, know every working, time working, i'm working, working every time i talk to you you're working well it's, you know i hate doing the podcast at night because it's i want to watch the bubble every single night i want to watch the bubble and then i'm working all day and then i don't feel like coming over here you know what kind of sucks about the NFL? I mean, the NBA bubble. But uh, I feel like it's like the first round of the NCAA is so sick, right? Because it's like, bro, bro. Like as soon as it's noon, I can watch basketball like right. all day and, and constantly. Games are ending and everything. And then as it like start and NFL playoffs, same thing. It's like there's a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah, right. And then by next week, by the second week, it's like I'm bored. Like yeah, what? There's only two games. I know. So with the NBA, like they were so smart. To like have games. I mean, dude, we were watching games, like even playoff games, at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, right. And now, like on a weekday. Yeah. Um, back to back to back. To and back. now it's like it's cool that they do the six thirty early game. Yeah. But it's still like, all right, there's like two games. And now that they do the early six thirty, if they don't have the third game, it's like they're on the triple header schedule, but with no middle game. So it's awkward because it's like I don't. Yeah. Sometimes you end up with like an hour in between. No, you know what? I call it West Coast bias. You know, yeah. they they want the they want the LA folks to see uh, LeBron. Because he, I mean, he didn't shut it down. He didn't shut it down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean that does make sense though. It actually does make sense. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's I mean, plus think, they like get Chuck in studio. Yeah. you know. And I like listening to those guys, so it's actually like pretty like it's cool. And I love the six thirty game because for me, yeah. like that's just so much better timing to watch basketball. Well, games. And just the atmosphere of the bubble. Yeah. Is like this is the first time you've ever seen, you know, true competition, no home court advantage. You know, like if say the Celtics were um, going back to Toronto tonight. Yep. Like, mm, wouldn't feel great about it. You know, it'd be, they're still better the team. But in yeah. the bubble, I'm like, no, nah, they're winning. <laughs> no, it is different. It is different because, right, like the home court advantage is gone. But it's also sort of different because it's like, I feel like, honestly, it sort of favors, and we're seeing it happen in, with Miami, it, it totally favors, like, dogs. Like, yeah. dudes that are just dogs and, like, because the NBA. Well, the Celtics play hard, too. So it's hard. like they have such an advantage. But, like, when you're on the road, it's negated. You know, in the bubble, it's like, well, if you're going to play defense every possession. You know who else it favors big time, the bubble? Like, this year is just an interesting year because the NBA in general totally favors older players, especially because, like, let's just call a spade a spade. In the NBA, of all leagues, it's the kind of league where, like, a 33-year-old superstar is getting whatever calls they want. Yeah. Oh, and, gotcha. like, a 25-year-old soon-to-be superstar is, like, getting, like, half of those calls. Yeah. And a 22-year-old's getting no calls. Right. And in the bubble, if you think about it, it super favors young players because for two reasons. One, that, like, that mentality of all the young players, like, being at summer camp together, like, being, like, on a journey yeah. is truer. And it's just more likely that the young players are, have less strings attached to the outside. The outside. Whereas, like, if you're True. a 35-year-old player, like, if you're LeBron, like, bro, you've got a high school son and, like, little kids and yeah. your wife. And, like, it's, like, your whole family, like, right. you know, I mean, we both know, like, when you're away for work for, like, a couple of days, it's, like, or when, when your wife goes away, like, to, you know, for her job, it's, like, 
life's a little upside down, yeah, right? right? So like imagine like being gone for yeah. three months and then you're like focusing on this championship. Oh, fuck, your I teammates like every day. Like the first couple of days, your teammates are like, yo, you want to drink beers in the room? We got all I saw this special about like all the wine they brought in, like, yo, you want to drink some wine, you wanna play golf? You're like, duh, this is dope. Yeah. And by day four, you're like, honestly, I just wanna hang out with my wife and talk shit about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's I true. just want to go talk about what a frustrating yeah. co- like how yeah, frustrating they put, my coach. Um, they get the pond or whatever, the lake, and they stocked it with fish. So they're yeah, I did, see fish. That. <laughs> I did see that. I thought one I of the best I thought one of the best uh, articles I read was about how like um why am I blanking on Duke's name? Uh played at Duke, uh has never missed the playoffs until this year and great outside shooter. Oh, JJ. JJ, JJ Reddick. Uh, I read an article about how JJ Reddick um Got an abortion, even though he's Catholic. No, I didn't. No, I didn't hear about that. But um, no, I'm talking about like. Uh, I, honestly, I've never heard that. Oh, it was like a, it was the whole thing a couple okay. years ago. I didn't hear it. But so anyway, no. I, what I heard about JJ Reddick was that he like he's like a huge wine connoisseur, and so he like started this whole movement within the bubble to like ship all this like great wine from like New York's from like this cellar in New York City or whatever. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't get it, guys. Like you're like finely tuned like alpha male athletes. After, like, the game, like, you're sitting around a hotel room, like, pouring, like, a glass of, like, this really expensive wine and, like, showing it to each other. Sometimes I think people try too hard to be cultured. Like, if I was a 35-year-old, world-famous professional athlete, like, I just don't think that I'd be like, somebody tell me what, tell me about, they were talking about Bordeaux. I'm like, stop pretending you like Bordeaux. I don't like Bordeaux. Like, I mean, I don't dislike it, but. No, no, I just think. Listen, we all watch the last dance. And MJ's in there smoking cigars and uh, pounding middle lights. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, that's, he's a real man. So my, my point is, like, it's not even about being a real no, man I or know, not. I know, I it's know. about the fact that, uh, that, like, every player in that room would rather be playing video games and crushing beers or, te- or drinking tequila. Yeah. And they're, instead, they're sitting around, like, talking about, like, J.J. Reddick, like, in this interview was like, it's just, like, to be able to, like, open a glass and, like, talk about it is just like such a nice way to unwind after a long day. What? Like what? Who's like, yo, that practice was intense today. Can I, yeah. can I show you this vintage Bordeaux? No. I can don't. we discuss it? Uh, I just don't think that's cool. But um, what about, I wonder about the uh, marijuana in the bubble. I mean, I'm sure it's highly prevalent. Um, but I think, I'm sure they have crazy them. security to get in the bubble though. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so the thing it's like, is like, so I mean, I, I guess there's, we live in Massachusetts, so obviously it's legal here. I don't think it's legal in Florida, obviously. Right. Um, so, but I got to imagine, like, it's just different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So, like, 10 years ago, it definitely was happening. But, right, there'd be a question about the security. Yeah. Now there's, like. I'm just talking about COVID security. You know, not, not about, like, no, getting no. weed into I, the. No, no, I know, but my point I'm is, like. I'm saying getting in the bubble in My general. point is, like, I can think about, like, 10 years ago, it would have been, like, a scandal if an NBA player got caught with weed at an airport. Yeah. And now it's, like, let's just be honest. If a player is having a pound of marijuana brought to the bubble, yeah. no one's making a big no, deal. Like, they're God, treating no. that like the Bordeaux. Yeah. Like, oh, this dude wants Well, 25 years ago, it was a scandal that, uh, who was that, Abdul Rauf, who sat, oh, it sat for the anthem? Yeah. Is oh, that, true, true, You true. know what I mean? And then it, pff, 25 yeah, I mean, years makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, that's a different, and I don't remember what his um, cause was. I, I think, think it was, it was a religious thing, Islam, right? Yeah, yeah I, I think it was a religious thing. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, if you look back, it's like, NBA, uh, you might owe him an apology if you're going to, you know scapegoat him like that 20 i mean 25 years is a long time but it's also not a long time you know yeah the issues are still the same it seems like i mean yeah so like it's interesting if we're talking about that kind of stuff um like i'm a big tupac fan and uh like sometimes i'll just like listen to tupac music that was recorded in 1993 and i'll be like dude if this song came out today yeah it would be 
you'd believe me if I told you the song was from today. Yeah, it's right. exactly the same issues. I mean, it's just oh, like God. that's America. Um, I heard one the other day. It goes, uh, um, they tell me it's the white man I should fear, but it's my own kind doing all the killing here. And I was like, oof. And then he goes on later and he says something about uh, cops killing her. Right? So I'm like, which one is it, Tupac? We we analyze this a lot more now. Yeah, I mean. If we're if we want to sit here and evaluate Tupac lyrics of black oh, and black no, crime, no, 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 I'm not talking that. I mean, okay. well, Tupac also like took ballet classes. I mean, he's like yeah. a, a, just different. See, you here's know what the I mean? thing: like, I don't think you get mad at me. You get mad at me on this show and off this show for calling you a racist. Yeah. Um, but I don't because you I, know I, I'm not racist. So I don't. I, I do know that you're not a racist, and I don't think. Thank you. I think. Well, let me be clear. I I think you're a racist. Like I'm a racist. Like a lot of people are. Like I think you're aware of your biases, and 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 I don't think you're like you're not a hateful person. Um, and I know, like, you know, it's funny. It's like, I think it's so cliche, and I do think it's cornball for, for someone to say about themselves. Like, oh, well, I have friends of this race and this race. But I can say it for you. Like, I know you. I know your friends. I know the social circles you run in. I know that you have friends of all walks of life. I don't, when I say you're racist, I don't seriously think, like, you're, like, a Confederate flag-waving, like, believe that certain government policies are wrong, okay with police killing young black men, kind of racist but when you comment about the Tupac lyric now then that makes me want to have the conversation and I just want to say like black on black crime is the most red herring issue that closeted racists can bring up like the reality is that people human beings kill human beings so I think to what Tupac's saying in that line is it's kind of like this is a weird way to compare it but in the restaurant business you know the customer's always right but that that's for us on our side of the counter yeah. that's our way of holding ourselves accountable for like, look, we're here to please you. Once the customer starts saying the customer's always right, now it's jumped the shark. Because it's like, no, that policy's not for you to do whatever you want. It's for us to hold ourselves accountable. So when Tupac says, well, he's talking about when Tupac's talking culture, about the crime in the neighborhoods he's in, and, this, and that's Tupac trying to hold his own community to a higher standard, saying guys like crab in the barrel mentality's bad. Let's, let's rock with each other. Let's stop killing each other. But no, but he I wasn't, hate, though. He was, he was. Okay, but I, I hate when people who you just kind of know, like, look, man, if you share, if you're always sharing a different meme that's critical of Black Lives Matter, it's critical of government policies, it's critical of um, different people who have been killed, then the truth is, like, you should just raise your hand and say that you have hate in your heart, and, um, and then we could have a conversation from there. So when someone like that says, well, black on black crime, well, black on black crime, um, you know, the problem that I have with that is, Look, human beings kill human beings. Um, that's just, that's a sad reality of, of Darwinism and of nature and just of animal culture. And we, ha you know, human beings can't escape that. So the fact that people are likely to kill people in their own environment and that our country is still so segregated in so many ways that a lot of that crime takes place in black neighborhoods is not indicative that the problem isn't a racially based problem. In fact, you could make the argument from a very high level sociological way, like argument that black on black crime is the byproduct of our racist system. The reality is that our system is designed to trap black people into poverty and into impoverished neighborhoods amongst themselves and to embed the idea amongst them that it's a crab in a barrel mentality that, hey man, if you can make enough money doing this, this, and this illegal activity, then you can get out. And so 
I don't. It's not. There's not something unique about black people that no, no, no. that, that they kill, that they kill uh, each other. There's something right. unique about the situation that we force black people into in this country systematically that leads them to kill each other at a higher rate than some other places. Look, at the end of the day, the crime rate here in Sharon, Massachusetts, is real low. You don't see a lot of upper middle class people of any race killing each other. That's just, you just don't. So the truth is, if you go to upper middle class and, and middle class black neighborhoods, you do not see black on black crime. That doesn't exist in those neighborhoods. Right. It exists in impoverished neighborhoods of yeah. white and black. And if you build disproportionately black poor, poor neighborhoods, you're going to see disproportionately black on black crime. And then you're gonna turn around and say, see, this proves my point that these people are killing them, each other. But that's not the point. And, and also, and, and I'll just say this. And well, then let's if you give on. everybody $1,000 a month, then you know, no more yeah, poverty, listen, we don't no have, more poverty. Right, Drew, listen, we don't have, like we can debate, Andrew, you know that we, you and I see eye to eye on that. Yeah. Yes, I, I like I like the, um, what, are they, what is the, the three uh, initials? UBI. There? Yeah, UBI, U- Universal Basic Income. I like Universal Basic Income. I think that's a, a, a great way to deal with the fact that nothing causes problems of all kinds more than poverty. Yeah, right. And if you can establish a basic baseline for human existence, right. then and you know, and make it people, not tied to work. Exactly, because the issue is that a lot of people want to tie it to minimum wage, and I'm not look as a business owner, I'm in a weird position because I'm not anti philosophically. I'm not anti minimum wage. I'm not anti. Um, I want to see everybody eat. So at the end of the day, and I don't mean, I mean, no pun intended. I don't mean, I mean, I want to see everybody do well. So the thing is, fine, pay everybody $25 an hour, $30 an hour to start. The problem is it just doesn't, for what you, for what consumers are willing to pay. Correct. So I saw somebody the other day comment, um. Oh, the freedom dividend, Ari says. Freedom dividend. Uh, Oh, there he goes. There you go. All right. He's our biggest fan and Andrew Yang's biggest fan. A bit, way bigger Andrew Yang fan than he is our fan. But, um, uh. So, and it was a contributor on the show. Um, the thing is, so, so I just, like, I was speaking to somebody the other day who was talking about, like, the fact that there's a, or they posted something on Facebook about the fact that, like, there was a, a fruit product that was grown in South America, and then it was packaged in Thailand, and, and they were like, you know, why can't stuff be local? Why can't, oh and I, I was God. like, well, the I truth is people one. won't pay for it. People won't pay for it. So the issue is, like, I see, you know, I use a lot of local products in my restaurant, and then I have to justify myself to customers who are like, like, why oh, my tomato God, cost three dollars. Right. Or like a pork chop. Like people go, well, why is a why? Is, how can you charge for when I went to open Simca? Like we pivoted off of some of that because we first went to open like somebody criticized me online for a forty two dollar pork chop. They were like, no one will buy a forty two dollar pork chop. I'm like, the problem is like <laughs> I've if, done it like twice. Yeah. If, <laughs> thank you. The problem is that, like, if you want a local product and don't get me wrong i believe you have to justify it through quality through like execution yeah, so like yeah, if, you, if your product's not worth more you cannot try to beat your cust- your consumers into into submission there's a lot of restaurants that have been doing that and they failed doing it right but um but i do think that like ultimately you have to like consumers are are unwilling to pay for their own morals and their own philosophies yeah dude you know? I, so i just read this one and yeah i'm surprised it didn't make more of a stink when um during the Democratic National Convention, you know, when they're doing the delegates and they, and they did Rhode Island, and the guy has a plate of calamari, right? So I, I read this article maybe two weeks before that. Point Judith calamari? Point Judith calamari. Tori Gadars. Yep. 70% of it, and this is the most important fish, okay. most, important, most important product from Rhode Island. Sure. 70% of it gets frozen, shipped to China, cleaned, processed, 
frozen again and back to America. 70% of it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me, honestly. It's sad, but that makes sense it's to like me. A, it's like crazy. Even with shipping, like, it's wastewater and tents have all this thing, whatever. But I'm like, you know, it's called the ocean state. You know what I mean? And you have to ship your product on the other side of the world. And it's still cheaper than getting it processed here. And that that absolutely blew my mind. It's like, well, we, I guess we do rely on China for everything. Right. And so, so the problem is, and, and look, at the end of the day, in a global economy, so... You know, it's I, no longer fresh if right. it goes to China. Sorry, you know what I mean. Like it might be from Point Judith, but guess what? It already went back and forth and so, frozen and refrozen. Yeah, but so as far as quality goes, um, a lot of seafood product gets it doesn't get hurt by freezing, um, especially if it's frozen. Okay, well, but you but, know what I mean. No, I know. Yeah. So, so you know, look, it's an economic issue that I wish consumers could understand. So, so this is a good segue into the, to, we were going to talk about restaurant closures. You know, the reality is that like, have you seen a single restaurant? A single restaurant, and I don't know if anybody's watching this through Facebook and wants to chime in. Um, I have not seen a single restaurant that has closed that has closed specifically because of COVID. Um, and so there's a lot of restaurant closures, like left and right. Yeah. Um, and me myself, like I'm taking a beating, so I, I don't. I'm not saying that there's not a reason to close because of COVID, yeah. but like I'm sure, like the one that you think in, it's policy, you mean instead? No, no, no. I, I think it's I think it's that the restaurant industry as a whole. I've said this for years. Restaurants don't go out of business. They close. Owners decide to stop losing money. Um, the, like, look at the restaurants that I'm sure resonated the most with you. They resonated the most with me. That strip on Boylston. Like, that's where we used to spend every weekend uh, Is night. there one single bar open that we used to go to? Um, no. So, not <laughs> on that strip. So, here's the thing, right? Not even not on the strip. Connor's, too. Right. But here's the thing. Like, do you know why those places closed? The rent is too expensive, I'm guessing? No. So, like, the landlord, the landlord owns the bars. Um, or no, 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 sorry. The landlord didn't know the bars. The landlord is now, buy, is now possibly buying Poorhouse and is going to reopen it. But the landlord bought out those leases at, at a, or had the, had the tenants buy out the lease at a lesser amount because the landlord had a deal in place. Those leases were all up in 2024. Yeah. And he was going to build three-story condos anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So this was just an opportunity where it's like these places are hurting. Right. Hey, well, let's make a deal. I'll help you stop losing, yeah. and I can build my condos right. quicker. Because the real estate market's high right now, yeah. believe it or not. And worst-case scenario, not, right. believe it. And worst-case scenario in a year, you figure like, yeah, but, things uh, are back around. I, city real estate, though. Commercial real estate, I don't know about that. No, no, no. He's building condos. Yeah, no, no, no. I yeah. understand. Uh, like, yeah, residential. Yeah. So, so, my point is like, sure. so my point is like that strip didn't end. Uh, Todd's Deli. That's a good one, Ari. Um, so, like, the, look, Todd's Deli is a good example of, like, a place that, like, let's just be honest. You wondered if that was going to close before COVID happened. And so, like, COVID becomes a way. Yeah, but you were, never, you were never thinking poor house and whiskeys and everything's going to close. So, again, you're missing what, I, what I'm saying about those places. Those places, it was no matter what, they were done in 2024. The landlord had already yeah, decided, yeah. yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing that makes me a lot of money. Right. So, this was just an opportunity to make it work, yeah. right? So, like, so, like, those places were going to close in three years or four years um, the same way that, like, there's a lot of other restaurants in the city that you're like, look, COVID pushed it, but COVID no, no, wasn't. No. I think policy pushed it a lot, though, right? I, so, like, why, why, should there be, why, should there, why should there be a law that says you have to order food as you order drinks? What, what, how does that make sense? How is that so, stopping the pre- uh, preventing COVID from spreading? So let's have a conversation here. I'm listening. Where like I'm gonna say something, and you're gonna you can totally disagree with it, but don't like do yourself a favor. Don't just try to stick to your point just because I'm gonna blow your mind here. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. That whole thing isn't tied to trying to make you order food. It's trying to keep the places that don't sell food 
closed. And the reason is because people gather. No, because those places, the only places that can't already meet that are grandfathered in and don't have. So in order, the only reason a bar doesn't sell food is because it's not worth their money to put in the kitchen facilities. But the kitchen facilities include things like hand washing sinks and stuff. So that's just the government's way of trying to keep these places that wouldn't be able to wash their hands and be hygienic from opening during this time. That's all it is. It's just a backdoor way to do that. Okay, but why? I, I don't see any reason why I can't go to a bar and order a beer. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's okay. Like, I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm like that's, that's. There's nothing. That is doing nothing to prevent the spread so, of COVID. Well, so the only thing I would say, if I'm theorizing, I don't want to sound like I'm defending that because, yeah, listen, that part confuses. I mean, the it hell just. Out of me. I mean, it's, it's illogical. Yeah, that part confuses the hell out of me. But especially if you, if you, it's if, not illogical. If, but if you're if you're a, a governor or a mayor or whatever, I mean, you should be trying to do everything you can to keep businesses open. So that I agree with. So, but so the thing is, like, look, I, I don't think that a bar being closed is fair. The only thing is, I can follow the logic. Not saying I agree with it. I can follow the logic that in an environment where people are imbibing they are more likely to not be not be adhering of to certain course. guidelines. So I can understand that logic. Do I think But I mean we're also very deep into this now. So, so that that's like, so listen, that's a different argument. You know, it's not like it's March seventeenth anymore. So that's a different argument that I do think is like look, at the end of the day, the state of Massachusetts literally told an entire segment of businesses that they couldn't be open for six months, and it's looking like if they're going to stick to phase four, right. imagine it being a full calendar year, which is really realistic. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, that's bonkers, it is, and it's not okay, and it's not fair, and it's wrong, and there are human beings who are hardworking, job-creating, um, give-a-shit members of our society, right. not lazy, not, not sucking off the teeth of the government, like hardworking entrepreneurs right. who are who are going to be horrifically impacted right. by that. Yeah. So I'm with you there. And $600 extra a week for however long is still not going to make them whole. It's not not even happen. close. And, the, and I mean? the problem is that, like, right, so, like, if – let's just make up a character here. Let's call him Joe. So if Joe owns a bar in downtown Boston and Joe seems rich and Joe's got a good life and he owns a boat and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, the problem is he's still got – like, the expenses that go along with that bar – are so high right. that when you can't bring in a dollar of revenue, right. and then who knows? Like, is Joe, like, is Joe paying his employees still? Maybe, maybe he was a good yeah. guy and he tried to, right? Or, or he's getting hit with unemployment increases. So, I mean, that's the other part of this is that that a lot of people don't know. If you're not inside, my, you know, my world, um, they're still they're actually going to whack us, like really oh, whack us. Yeah, of course. So they because they're now in debt from an unemployment standpoint. So it's tough because, like, I just got I, I had nobody claim unemployment on one like one of my businesses had nobody claim unemployment because everyone's still working and i just got hit with like the smallest increase but like i got hit with a tiny increase without anybody claiming right places that have a bunch of people so it's like in march if you felt like the only thing you could do for your staff was to lay them off and they're going to get their 600 you thought morally you were doing the right thing by them right Right, right, right. now you're going to try to dig out and you're going to dig out with this giant expense in addition to all the expenses you already took i mean here's one that nobody talks about um the state, in the state of Massachusetts, if you cancel your liquor insurance, you lose your liquor license. So if you own places that have liquor licenses, you're still paying liquor liability insurance. <laughs> and liquor liability insurance isn't free, and it's not cheap. Um, it's uh, it you know, it, and it's crazy. And people get people get crushed by that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that the government should have figured well, out. Well, and and like 
back to back to the rules rules for thee and not for me. Yep. You know, yeah, you can open your uh, restaurant, or whatever. But then it's like, all right, well, only fifty percent capacity, only outside. All right, so now I'm gonna open, but I like uh, how 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 large are the uh, margins in the restaurant business? Are they they're pretty big, right? They're so notoriously I, big. So let me ask you a question: Do you know what the margins are? Uh, I don't know your restaurant, but it's definitely less than ten percent. So the average successful restaurant. I'd say eight. Is that te- is that like tenish percent? All right. Um, a lot of restaurants are operate, operating yeah, success- significantly and successful. That's and a key great word. restaurant, a great restaurant, is operating at twenty percent profit margin. So like the reality is. It doesn't take a lot to crush those people. Right. And look, the argument that people made, um, you know, sometimes I want to check in. Like, there's a couple food trucks, and I think I've mentioned them before on this or whatever. Um, I'm in a good mood right now, and I'm not, I'm not angry. Um, like, there's a food truck. Uh, this guy owns a truck called Baja Taco. Um, you know, decent enough guy, decent enough business. Um, you know, it doesn't swim in the water I swim in. Yeah. But, like, you know, and he, but he thinks, and he's got these opinions. So he said publicly, like, on a thread, um, on the internet, he was like, shame on you as a business owner if you don't have three months. So first of all, a lot of entrepreneurs are not sitting <laughs> on three months. I, I have been around a long time, and I'm in a different position, so I carry people. But here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, what would a 27-year-old have you, though? But here's the thing. Can anybody, is it fair for anybody to expect businesses, even successful restaurant businesses, to have had six months? Yeah. Six? I mean, that's not fair. These people have families to feed. I mean, the average so, person has so not I even like a two weeks of savings. Right. So I don't personally think it's fair for anybody, especially somebody on my side of the counter, to say that other businesses should have had three months in cash flow. Uh, and by the way, we're past but, three months now. But that's my point is. But to say six months is asinine. Yeah. So the reality is those of us that are still open, man, we're doing it like by sheer grit and hustle, yeah. finding new ways yeah, to, new to make avenues, money, right, exactly. like new avenues to not even to make money, just to bring in cash flow yeah, yeah, to right. keep our people paid. Right. And then there's lots of successful businesses, successful, hardworking chefs, hardworking entrepreneurs, hardworking restaurateurs who now are, are wave by wave closing their business. Right. Um, so, again, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that COVID won't close any places. I'm not saying that there aren't tons of places that should close because of COVID or, or, or are really close. I'm saying I have yet to see a place close that was only because of COVID. Right. Every one of them, it turns out, like, when you pull back a couple layers, you see, like, that there was, like, a real estate deal behind it or that they were struggling beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, places that you're like, I didn't, I didn't know how that place was open in the first place. Um, Honest Taqueria, it was like they were already talking about it, and they've got a place 100 yards away. Yeah. So it just, like, made sense for them. Because that was the first one that when I saw Honest Taqueria close, I was fr- afraid for us all. Yeah, like, right. I was like, oh, dude, if, if – if Honest Taqueria, and that, that's a unique neighborhood, too. I don't know if you know Coolidge Corner like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. But it's so commercial and residential. Right. So it's like. A lot of foot traffic. Right. So, like, b- downtown Boston places closing, I totally get. Yeah. I'm like, the well, South there's, no, there's no office workers. Right. There's nobody around. But, like, if Coolidge Corner, if a Coolidge Corner landmark failed, right. I would have been like, well, but they didn't fail. Like, yeah, yeah. they made a business decision to be like, listen, it doesn't make sense to have two locations both open. I got that. So, you know, again, I'm not saying that I don't know that no place has closed. Um, I'd love it. Like, if, if anybody could think of one that closed, like, and you're like, damn, like, and it turns out it's, like, strictly COVID. Then, um, but, but uh, again, it's I just don't know it's not COVID, though. It's it's either the poli- – right. so say they said, um, well, you know, everything's open, right? Yeah. And then nobody, nobody came because they were afraid. So, that would be because of COVID, okay. right? So, so, but to be clear, Corey, like, the reality is, like, Look, I'm fortunate. I'm in a small town with Simca. I've got a relatively loyal base. 
Um, and the town of Sharon's been incredibly supportive. Outdoor space. And I and I have outdoor seating. My landlord was cool enough to let me do some parking lot stuff. So we have like around the same. We have the same number of seats, right? Yeah. So any down any shortage that I have right now isn't due to policy, and we see a shortage. Like we're operating at like twenty yeah, percent down. So my point is like, no, it's not. I I think it's a cop out. Look, if I owned a bar. Period. I'd be like, listen, it's government bullshit, right? Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. But like, if I owned a two hundred seat restaurant, um, it, look, look, restaurants are allowed to be open right now, Corey, indoors. And my friends, right? my friends that have no, there's no capacity limit. There's a um, there's a space limit. So yes, of course, it cuts down. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, I don't know a single restaurant. And again, I'm sure there are some. I can think of like a chef that owns some restaurants in Bo- like in Boston who's posted a few things about being at capacity once or twice. But for the most part. Everyone I know that's got full-scale restaurants and is doing inside seating is seeing nowhere near capacity. Oh, of course. So, so my point that is that's sense, not government. Though. My point no, is that's not government. No, that isn't government, right? But when it's when it, that goes on for the first month, the second month, third month, right? And you have to keep up all your expenses that whole time. And then then it's like, uh, yeah, you can open, but you have to order food Thanks, at the same Sean, time. Um, you can't order the beer first. And then it's like all these different things that don't mean it. You know, if you, if you said, hey, everything's open. And then people don't come. Well, hey, you know, we're in a pandemic, all right? right. That's, that's because of COVID. Sure. But the, the changing of the rules and, you know, the starting a phase, then uh, phase, phase A, 2A, 2B, you know what I mean? It's like. So I hear you. And I'm not, again, I'm or not. Even outdoor places sometimes is like 50% capacity. It's like, I'm motherfucking outside. Just yeah, leave but, me alone. But, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say to you is I don't personally know any restaurant that is failing at the moment no, no, because no. of the policies i know bars but let's be clear I know bars. But let's be clear it's not just restaurants too there's rules about all sorts of business. any business that's inside there's rules about you no, know what of i mean course. Well, so it's like grocery stores but yeah <laughs> by the way that's one i didn't understand but we're six i don't in. understand why that's marshall's was closed for months and the grocery store was open like that's a no, weird one to me because no, it's like it, the same exactly. experience so right, it's same like, experience it's the same experience Dude. so and um, it's it's listen the same thing with the mask right and everybody i i went last time you went in place and didn't see somebody with a mask on I mean, ev- Wait, everybody's wearing a mask. Of course, yeah, they should be. Right. Um, now, when you look at the charts, it, you, as soon as the mask ma- mandates went in, you know, cases still went up, right? The virus is going through us regardless of all this stuff, right? Uh, Massachusetts, so Sharon has like a 1% uh, rate. Because that's another thing that we should jump into is like, uh, I mean, you don't have any kids, but so like the other big thing that, that is going on right now in schools? the world is schools. And I don't know if you saw it, but Sharon's been heavy, heavy in the news. No. Um Oh, Sharon's like the Sharon's the town in Massachusetts. Like you're obviously not following this because you don't have kids in the school, but like my wife's obviously a teacher, yeah. and my kids are in the and school. So it's like, jeez. Right. Um, so that's why I know some stats about the mask wearing stuff is just because people people keep putting it out there that Sharon has like less than one percent transmittal rate or whatever. Yeah. No, the and, whole state does. Right. Well, this is the state less than one. So my point is, the masks do work, or like they no, no, just no. do. Like no, they no. just do. No, 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 no. They do. Listen. I'm, you're not going to catch me with a ma- without a mask. Right. I'm just saying, if you look at the charts, mask mandate goes into effect uh, April 1st. Yo, by the way, real then quick. Then there's a spike, real like, quick on the mask May thing. 15th. Real quick on the mask thing. Did you see the, um, why am I blanking on homie's name? There's he, a million The charts. quarterback for the Vikings. Um, Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Did you see his stuff about masks? Oh, I, oh, I something about him dying or something. He said he'd be willing to die. Yeah. Uh, he was like, ah, if it gets me, it gets me. But, no, I thought it was cool because, like, again, we live in cancel culture, and, like, people want to just like jump ugly on anybody that says something like, and you know, so like the headline is always like, boom, like the headline just makes it horrible. Yeah. Right. Um, I actually saw something about, saw something about your boy Trump the other day that I was like, I read the whole article and then I was like, damn, like this is a garbage article. Like the headline made it sound like he stole art. Did you see that story? <laughs> no. So I'll tell you that one in a sec, but with the Kirk Cousins thing. So Kirk Cousins was like, I, like he's anti mask, 
for himself. Like he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. But they but he said he's like clear to say, like during when he was saying this, he was like, I don't I believe it. in it. I wear it everywhere right. I go because he said it doesn't matter if I believe it works or not. It's about courtesy for other of people course. and respecting and that's their what every, feelings. That's what everybody does. I'm just saying Well, I see lots of people that don't. No, you don't. I do all the time. I not see, inside. Listen, I'm being honest with you, so like we don't let we don't we're not open inside at Simca, so we don't let guests I'm just in here. About in general. I, I see people out and Go about. Go to the grocery store. I've never seen one. No, person. thank God, not at grocery stores. I'm just telling you that I've done a lot of events. Yeah. And my staff is super careful, and we're on top of our stuff. But I have been privy to seeing people that feel really comfortable not wearing their mask. Um, I do a beer garden in Braintree, and everybody's been doing been super awesome, like super behaving. We've got lots of like lots of different restrictions in place. My partner on that one. Uh, have you ever met Kay? Uh, we gotta have her on the podcast. She's pretty, like, she's good. She'll be good for content. She she speaks her mind. Um, but Kay, she's like on top of she's on top of that whole. She like has a ton of restrictions and she's got like all the spray and like. I'm anyways, just saying. The point is, we see people though. Yeah. Like a woman came in the other day and she was like legitimately upset that she had to put a mask on. Well, I and then like and then like we caught her like trying to like trying to walk between tables without one and like had to say something to her. So there are people out there. I'm look. It's not super prevalent. Okay. We, I, you know. And all I'm saying is like. If you there's a, a million charts online that you can see. Sure. A mask mandate goes into effect April first, right? Yeah. And the huge spike in cases like May fifteenth, right? Like it's like, well, the mask. What's up with the mask? I thought. Yeah. They, so so the mask. You know I mean, they're not. But that's like, I mean, it's not just the mask. Just, I'm talking about everywhere. What I, and what I'm saying to you is the masks are not the end all be all. Like they're not everything, but they matter and they help. So anyway, so real quick on the Trump thing, you'll like this story. So I saw the other day. Um, I don't know. By the way, where are you on Trump now? Are you still? Are you? Trump, where, how, where are you at on Trump? Where am I at on Trump? Uh, it's more like where am I at with Biden? No. So that's the thing. Is like you got to understand. I was talking to uh, this dude I do some business with, who's a Trump guy, and he's but he's a re, he's, he's a Republican really, and he's a really good human being, great you know great ideas. Um, like he's a good person. Um, so he's not like you know I know people people think like if you vote for Donald Trump then you're just like a shitty human being. I don't know. I, I personally know some people that aren't shitty human beings that vote for Donald Trump. So right. I, I, I wouldn't. And I think Trump is is not a great human being. But at the same time, like I do think people can have their opinions for different reasons. So anyway, so talking to this guy, and he knows more about politics than I do. I mean, he's he's forgotten more about politics than I do. And um, I said to him, I said, you know, I don't agree that like it matters at all about Biden. I think I would vote, and I I'm gonna get jumped on for this, as you know, I probably should have. Four years ago, but right now people got to be reasonable. I'd vote for Ted Cruz right now. I'll tell you why. <laughs> See, I wouldn't vote because I'd Cruz. vote for a bureaucrat. I think what the mistake that we're learning with Donald Trump isn't unique to Trump's policies or views. It's not his. It's not. Some, he's not a fanatic. He's not. No, he, he's, he's a non-bureaucrat, so he doesn't understand how to play politics, and that's ugly and it's, and it's problematic. I, I don't know if he, you think he doesn't understand how I, to play politics. Far from it. No, he knows how to campaign. He knows how to play the game. He doesn't literally know. How to like, for example, um, a good president, right, doesn't need to know a lot about national security when they first walked in the office, right? They need to know who's good at it, yeah, and they need to trust those people. And when they speak, they need to go, okay, so that's what you that's what you think is best, yes, okay, then we're gonna trust you, and then hold them accountable if things go sideways, right? But, but not, right, but, but don't tell the dude. Like, I get the feeling Trump, based on reports and stuff, tells like national security people. What he thinks. And it's like, that guy, it doesn't matter, Donald. You're not, you're not listen, a national security but you, expert. But you, no, but you have to give him credit, right? So he's John Bolton in his cabinet, right? And <laughs> Zach, yeah, I mean, I don't like Ted. I was trying to make a point with Ted Cruz. I'm saying I would vote for a bureaucrat 
And I, I just I'm think we need to return opposite. to normalcy. No, no, no. I just think like there are people that politic. Like you don't hire, uh, like you don't replace your real estate agent with a brilliant PhD rocket scientist. You just you 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 hire a real estate okay, agent but listen, to, to help you with real estate transactions. Listen, That's what you do. All right, John Bolton was in his cabinet, right? Um, you know, oh, he knows national security. Yeah, he wants to get in another war, right? And Trump's like, no, 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 we're not going in more wars. So then Bolton's gonna come out and trash him. So if he just listened to his guys. You know, oh, we'd be still in friggin' Syria and. Uh, I don't know if I believe that that's true. That's, that's what do you mean? Trump, that's Trump's version. That's Trump's version. Well, that's John Bolton's version. John of Bolton Dude, said he's a war hawk. <laughs> so he's a war he's hawk. Been, but he's been he's been in government his whole life. Yep. You know, like, like I, I don't I don't think I'm I'm the complete opposite. I I so rather anyway, have the non. Okay, so anyway, the point that I was trying to make was that I read this article. What about Fauci? Hold on, Fauci got in the cat right. Like we should listen to Fauci. Listen to Fauci. Fauci was all over everything. Yep, we should early March, Fauci. right? We still should listen to Fauci. Exactly, and I think we have been. No, you saw no. Far from it, Trump. So did you read the stuff that came out today from that guy Woodward or whatever's book that Trump? Listen, listen, all, listen. Trump admits to this but stuff you now. Can't, you, are you really gonna go by what the media is telling you though? Because um, there are so many. What about the one about him? Him trashing the soldiers. You heard this? Yeah, that's so real. It's it's it's. You're it, not it's you're not dumb enough nope, to not believe nope, that. No, 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 no. It's completely realistic. Him saying that, right? No, except, he said it. No, it's except, factual. He said it. Nope. Except John Bolton. Ten people just came out and nope, said he didn't no, buy it. No, John Bolton has an entire thing in his book about that ex- very, very thing. Why they couldn't fly in. Blah okay. blah blah blah. Why wouldn't John Bolton put that in his book? Why wouldn't he confirm it? I don't know. You know what I mean? But I don't it's, know. Why did? All I'm saying is you need to have one named source. Just give us one named source so we can ask them some questions. You can't come with four anonymous sources that say something that's refuted in other parts. So of, it's it's you know not. I mean? I mean, it's not because it just un- makes you look bad. It listen, makes it helps Trump. All listen, it does is help Trump. Can I be honest? With you? Like this is where you and I part ways like the hardest. You don't and think it helps like, Trump? No. So okay, listen. It's it's the thing about it is like you know me. I'm like the loudest, most confident. Yeah. Like so, if you want a debate to be about who could be louder and who can interject the most, we can do it like that. But instead, maybe we could have a conversation, and the conversation sounds something like this. I have an issue with the fact that Trump, and I feel like you fall into this, have created this anti-media idea. Look, at the end of the day. You're not paying attention, though. Go ahead. I don't think all media is good. No, I think that there's, there's media that's garbage, but I do think like, look, Fox News, for example, is not a media source. They're just, they're a, they're a soap opera. When's the last time you watched Fox News? Two days ago. I don't not, by the way, that's something I pride myself on. I don't turn, I don't want an echo chamber. I listen to both sides. Like, I do. I listen to everybody. Anyway, can I just get back to the article about, please? So, um, and here I just said, I just, so this is what I'm talking about with the media is, even in this article, which I'm going to shit on right now, the fact was, the facts were real. It was, it was written in a misleading way. But the facts were not unreal. So this article said, like, the headline was, like, Trump takes $775,000 worth of art from ambassador to France's mansion, French mansion. Mm-hmm. So I was like, of course, I want to read it because I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's not above that guy to have stolen $775,000 worth of stuff. So I'm reading it, and it's like. It'd be more likely from a charity he'd steal it from. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for kids with cancer and stuff. Yeah, but he'd need his sons to help him with that one. So anyway, the point is, like, I'm reading it, and it's like, time out. So it's it's an American-owned building. It's it's our it's the property that the ambassador lives in. All the art that's in that building belongs to the United States of America. Right. Donald Trump. And by the way, it said and flew it back on Air Force One. So like the the headline makes you think like the the, the president of the United States was like, "Yo, give me this art," and then took it on our plane. Yeah. No, he said, hey, I want this stuff in the White House. 
And it's currently in the White House. And you know what he said as he walked out the door? He joked, they can have it back in here in six years. So, like, even then he was acknowledging, like, I just want to use this to decorate the White House. I literally was like, why is this article written? Yeah. Like, basically, the, the president of the United States of America moved American-owned property from one American-owned building to his American-owned residence because he wants it in his, in, in his space while, while it's his to use. There was nothing weird about that at all. And it was weird that they wrote the article right. because it was intended to make – and then I saw somebody on Facebook. I said to my wife, I go, this is the problem with stuff like this is that, like, people on the left are going to share this because right. they're not going to read it thoroughly. Then people on the right are going to read it and go, this is trash. Right. And then it's going to make it look like news sources are garbage. Right. And sure enough, that morning, I saw somebody on the, like, who I know to be very left share it. Somebody right away was like, yo, it was American-owned property. Yeah, and, blah, yeah. blah. and then they were like, oh, shoot, I did just read it. And you are right. But hey, scumbucket. And then it just turns into this like political, like, I hate you. No, you hate me. No, I hate you. Right. Ah, that's where we're at right now. Listen, but it's, it's the media. You say it like media, like media, media, media. Yeah, they can. First of all, unnamed sources are a huge problem, right? And it's like, all right, maybe Nixon wouldn't come down if you didn't have unnamed sources, right? But you can't just say unnamed sources. Everything, every time there's an article, right? It's always unnamed sources. They, Trump does this. Trump does that. Trump does that. Okay, that's the number one thing. The second thing is the double standard, right? So the media just chases whatever they think is gonna hurt Trump right now. So like the postal office thing, right? The post office, post office, post office, post office. Okay. How many times are we gonna hear about the post office? Are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening. Post office. Remember how big of a story that was? The post office? The post office. The post office. Oh my I god, don't the post the office. I remember the story being the post office. The you post don't remember office. that? I remember the story being uh I I know what we're talking about. Yes, I'm being Okay, so yes. how about this? Um you don't you wanna make sure your votes counted? Send your ballot in between Octo- before October 15th. How about that? Is that not good enough? We're in freaking August when this thing comes out, right? right. Send your ballot in. You know, no, no I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say, yeah, yeah, if you get your ballot postmarked on election day, then we're going to count that four days later. No, 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 no. If you want to vote by mail, get your ballot in. How hard is that, right? Instead, it's, it's like, no, he's trying to steal the election, the post office, post office. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't just, that, that's a non-story, literally a non-story. We're months before the election. If you want to vote, vote by mail, vote by mail. Just yeah, get it in October the mail. October 15th is early. That's early. Oh, so people are going to make up their mind after that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. No, statistically, in this a lot election. Of do. Yes, a lot of people do. I don't know about in this election. I hear, I get, I, I digest the point that you're making that, that yes, you're two months before the election. You can't. Polarizing election, and so there's a chance that 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 will get made. Minds will get made up. You can't complain later, ahead of time about something not getting done. Listen, I, I, I'll side with you on this. I'll tell you that, like, I thought that Trump's comment about vote in vote on by mail and then vote in person, I thought that the point that the man was trying to make was not an issue. Like, I thought when people were like, he's encouraging people to break a crime, to break the law. I'm like, in fairness, he he's saying, provisional. in fairness, he's <laughs> saying like, he's saying. I don't. So, let so me ask you a question. Don't you think every American, every American, every American, the furthest left and the furthest right, should vote by mail? If they mail, if they mail one in, is nervous that it won't count. So all Trump was doing was acknowledging that, like, man, like if I send a check to somebody, and I don't see them cash it, like in a week, I'm like, yo, any chance you got that check? Like any chance you got that check? So like, I'm gonna vote, and then like just trust that, like, oh, I'm sure. Oh, when I saw that, you know. Blah, 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 71 million Americans voted. I'm like, well, they must have got mine. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I got the point. I understood no, but his th- point. The other issue is that, um, you know, like, 
you can vote early in like a majority of states. Yes, yeah, so you know of what I mean. Like within like ten days, some twenty days. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's like, it, it's just these non-issues that people right. bring up, and then they try to get. I think. All right, let's talk about the NFL. Um, how you feeling about the NFL season starting tomorrow? Hold on, I don't know. Should be. Are you more into the Patriots winning or the Celtics uh, going to the finals? Ooh, I mean, I'm more into the Celtics going to the finals. I know, um, I know. It's tough. It's tough, though, because, like, we're talking about legacies. We're talking about, like, careers. I'm just, I mean, why can't we root for both? So here's the thing. I mean, by the way, those aren't, like, mutually exclusive. Like, it's not like no, one has to happen in the other one. I'm rooting for both of them. You know the Patriots um, over-under is nine? I saw that. Nine. No, no, it's actually, it was, like, eight and a half. In the plus money to win the division. Plus money. I saw that. So the thing When's is, the last time they were plus money so let me ask, uh, in 2002, um, I saw it. So it, basically everything that's statistically like every gambling issue, like every everything, it's the first time since. Yeah, yeah, Brady. right. So um, let me ask you this. Why, How about Brady being a favorite? He, this is the first time he's been a dog since like 2015 or something. Yeah. Um, so the thing is like, I mean, let me ask you this. Let, let's talk about this. So are, are you more excited? So this Sunday, Pats kick off at 1. Um, Four fifteen, I think, is the uh, Bucks and Saints. Are you more? Which game are you more excited for? Oh, Patriots. Fifty fifty. I'm like really geeked for both games. It's funny because like I feel like we can't lose with the Patriots. Uh, sorry, I'm like we can't lose with the the Bucks because like man, if they if they just fall apart and implode, I'm gonna enjoy the hell See, out of that. The weird thing but is, but if they be... like if if they turn into like video game, I don't shit, think I will I'll enjoy that too. A little I think bit. I'll still be ruined for the page for for the Patriots. I'll be ruined for the Bucks. You know, if it, they fall apart, I'm going to be but geeked. This, uh, I'm not going to really? lie to you. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. It's I'm tough. a Belichick. I've always been Belichick over Brady. And, um, you know, I – look, I think that the NFL – it's nice Kerry's not here and I can get this thought out because he's, like, so hardcore. It's Brady, it's Brady, it's Brady. The thing is, like, look, I, I have a lot of respect for what Tom Brady's done. I think he's an incredible quarterback. He's the greatest uh, individual athlete in American sports history, I think. The thing is, yeah, I think I'd still give it to Jordan. Yeah, I'd probably give it to Jordan. So the thing is that um, in in football, more than any other sport, X's and O's are everything. Right. Um, so first of all, like like a bad coach cannot look at Aaron Rodgers. They say he's the best quarterback in football. He's the best quarterback in football, and he's won one Super Bowl, and he's had like lots of seasons without making the playoffs. Haven't even been to the sec- uh, to a second Super Bowl. Right. Never been to a second Super Bowl, and lots of like a lot of. Seasons where like they don't even really make the playoffs or they lose early, so that just yeah, it I just, don't think they it just the playoffs a lot, but they've made the playoffs every year. Right, but I, either way, yeah. They, so anyway, the point is, I just think like it's obvious that coaching is is really what what pushes in the NFL. So to me, right off rip, like let's put it this way: I could see, listen, I could see Denver Broncos first year with Peyton shit going on. I could see Brady like just doing. I could see him throwing sixty five yeah. and like everybody. They're gets, getting ten. Everybody, everybody They're gets getting a, everybody gets a thousand, right? But I also could see. I can't like, see it imploding. So I could, and I'll tell you why. I could see, like, so Mike Evans has opened his career with six straight years of 1,000 yards, right? Mm-hmm. So I could see, like, four games in, right? Mike Evans is getting targeted three times a game. Godwin's catching six balls, right? For whatever reason, there's a connection there. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, you know, or, or things kind of aren't clicking right off rip. And Brady, who's notorious for giving up on receivers, doesn't give up on those guys, but he just starts targeting Gronk in some situations like he throws in a double coverage a couple times on Gronk and Gronk makes the catch and everything yeah, yeah. but there's like a little bit of um there starts to be some inroads because you gotta I think a lot of people you you know this but a lot of sports fans m- miss that like I mean these are these guys jobs like if you've seen any given Sunday right so like yeah I think it's kind of like so on any given Sunday shit where it's like look if they're cruising but Mike Evans 
isn't getting balls. Yeah. Mike Evans and his camp are looking at it like, bro, like Tom Brady coming here is going to fuck up my career for a short time. I'm not happy about us winning. I want out. That kind of stuff. And I think if that stuff starts Bruce to Arians happen. Bruce is a good coach, though. You think he's an okay he coach. His, I could see, down. but I could see he's, but he, he's, the difference between Bruce Arians Is he going to ship Belichick, off Mike Evans? Like and Belichick, Belichick is so high. Ships off Randy that, Moss. Right. It, that I could see Brady finding out the hard way. All those times that Belichick was the bad guy, but to to Brady and the and the teams and the and benefit, I could see Brady learning the hard way. Like, look, they what's the biggest money free agent signing in Patriot history? Like in, in Belichick time, Adelius Thomas. Adelius Thomas played one season, two seasons, yeah. and. Uh, Boom! Cut him! Cut him! Yeah. As soon as as soon as Belichick smells in the room, well, he didn't show up for uh, the snowstorm. But, but the point is, as <laughs> soon as as soon as Belichick smells in the room, yeah. like dis- dissension, yeah, he's just like, yo, oh, he, Randy Moss he the just, day after he just blasts, he blow. just he, he leaves blood on the wall. Yeah, and I think that Brady takes for granted the culture. I think that Brady thinks Brady was a big part of that culture. I'm not saying he wasn't. Yeah, but I think the same thing that Brady added to that culture. Like, did you read the report the other day? Um, how Patriots players, and again, you won't like it, anonymous sources. Trust the news. Were, were saying that that Brady had been a problem since 2018 and that a lot of Patriots players were happy to see him go just because they were like, look, if he's going to stay here with this attitude, it's detrimental. And I would, I don't believe that either. I believe that players maybe, feel that yeah, way. Maybe uh, Nikhil Harry, but not fucking James White. Um, I could see a couple players that that you think wouldn't have a problem with that. So I could see some defensive captains last year having that issue because last year when they were cruising and having an incredible defensive year, Brady was a real negative impact from an attitude standpoint. And I think that was hard for some guys. I think from what I've, I've talked to a few people who told me, like that they, I can think of a player in particular who I, who I, I have reason to believe felt that way. And my point is I think that stuff would surprise you. The, the problem is that you have to have somebody else on the team that's not a coach be able to – stand up for the rest of their teammates, sure. right? So somebody – nobody was big enough to stand up to Tom Brady. You know, Matthew Slater ain't doing it. I mean, maybe Devin McCourty. Yeah, but, but what, like it's what, not they say, what they say about Brady that he brought to the table that I think was so impactful and I think was starting to change was that he was employee number 12. So the thing, the thing that he added to the culture was guys come there. Randy Moss comes there. Corey Dillon comes there, right? And they see, they see Brady getting MF'd on the field yeah. and just taking it like – Boom, got you, coach. No problem, coach. Yeah. And I can speak to the, to kitchens, right? So in kitchens, the fact that, like, my best chefs – yes, on chef, no chef. <laughs> not just on the line. That, like, when they introduce a new dish, like, they bring a spoon over to me. Yo, hey, chef, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. So new guys come in, and, like, they might they might think that they're they're good. Like, and they might – they might my personality, my inclusion of everyone in, in, a, in decisions sometimes has people, like, thinking I'm weak. When they see stuff like that, they figure out quickly that, like, the culture is, like, this guy runs the show. When Belichick is MFing Brady, and Brady's, like, catching it left, right, left, right, and he's not pouting, and he's not, and he's taking it, like, like cool, um, the culture's sick, right? Because, like, players are like, yeah. man, I can't, like, I'm not Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I better shut up. When Brady starts to, like, complain after practice and be like, oh, like, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I think, like, really hurts the culture. And I think, like... That's the kind of stuff that I wonder how that's going to go with the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, Cam Newton, like, look at Cam Newton. Like, he's taking it already. Well, you know what the interesting about Cam is, I think, this year, is because especially with this no fans at all, right, 
him bringing the energy when in, when you're in an empty stadium you know what i mean like it's like he does he's got that personality thing that leader thing where it's like he just hypes everybody up now we'll see about focus and all that like in you know are you too emotional problem is it's not a problem i mean cam's one in the league and he knows what it takes so yeah. I, I i i'm not worried about cam I mean, neither, yeah, though, I, even though I thought Stidham was going to beat him out. No, so I didn't. I didn't, and I was like, as right. soon as they signed Cam, I was like, dope. I was like, because right now. And Belichick knew. Right now, for a short period of time. I'm not, listen, I am not saying Cam, Cam Newton is Tom Brady. No, obviously. But Gets Cam, Newton can, points Cam Newton can do can some things on a football field that Tom can't. So, for example, open up the playbook. All the, right, sure. open up the playbook. And more importantly than anything, what's been there like Achilles heel for the last season and a half, the offensive line? And Cam alleviates that problem for a year or yeah, two. Because right. it's like, all right, well, dude, first of all, he's an offensive lineman. Cam Newton can block for Cam Newton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know what? You see it with uh, Lamar Jackson, right? When they throw him back there, hey, you got an extra blocker to run now. You know, get, you can have two fullbacks on the field and have Cam run it. And with like a Lamar Jackson, who's obviously like a different kind of athlete yeah, than yeah. Cam Newton. Um, but like with Lamar Jackson. Or on the like, goal line. Right, well, you know, so you're on the four, you can run so a quick draw. Cam is going to be different on the goal line, 100%. Yeah. And I think that just like, I think Cam being Cam as opposed to Tom especially where he is in his career right now. Like, he's just more approachable. So, like, a Nikhil Harry might have a better chance of thriving underneath Oh, no, no, A Gunner might have a better chance. Like, these young guys, like, he's Well, Cam never had, Cam never had, like, developed, besides Steve Smith when he got there. But, you know, he always had to, like, get guys that were rookies and, um, you know what I mean, and build them up, you know. But my point is, doesn't Cam just He never had an Edelman. He had a Steve Smith. Right. But, like, Edelman is, But doesn't Cam strike you as, like, the kind of teammate who, like, you drop the ball and he's like, yo, let's go get him, big dog, yeah. as opposed to, like, staring at you and, like, saying in front of you, yeah, like, yeah, to Josh McDaniel, like, yo, what's this guy on the field right. for? Well, then that's the other thing with, I think, Tom and Josh were so close that it's like, you know, Josh, he might he might get at him a little bit in private, but he's not chewing him out in front of the team. You know what I mean? Like, whereas, like, Josh will chew out, you know, uh, fucking Jared Stidham. Yeah, you know what I mean. But he's not going to chew out Tom Brady, and like it's he's probably not going to chew out Cam Newton. Like Bill O'Brien got into it with Tom. You know what I mean? But like Tom was at that stage where he's he's not listening. I, listen, I think the Bucks are winning at least ten games. I think the Patriots are winning at least ten games. I think. I Let me think. ask you this. Um, so every school, team with good quarterback, they always win ten games. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on schools opening or not? I mean, I guess yes, you're I, a little out of that. No, I do have. I have. I, have, I already know. I, I already I know. Opinions. Like I could do an impression. Of you. I already know what the. Like what Corey's opinion is going to be? Yes. Well, nobody. my opinion is li- COVID not listen real. to the scientists. No, no, no. You listen to the scientists. The yeah. You listen to the scientists. Okay. The scientists. You know the scientists say that the the area under the curve, it's the same area, right? It just depends on how if you flatten it or whatever. The longer it goes, though, the more chance you give the virus to mutate, right? And then and it mutates. Guess what? Vaccines, not good. So my opinion on schools are. Here's what I would do. Yeah. I would say any uh, – my my big problem with schools not opening I would is, say bizarre shit. I don't want somebody to listen to this and think, like, Avi just listened to him say the area under the curve is the same. <laughs> like, it is. what does that mean? Can you show me with your – Listen, like, on uh, the graph, you, right? You remember, remember they said flat on the curve, right? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And it goes like this yeah, and yeah, then yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, until yeah. it's zero. So sure. the beginning and to the end, right? So if the curve is, like, huge and then flat sure. the rest of the way – that's the same area as if it went like this the whole way. Okay. So, so okay, but you can't get – so if you got through it real quick, it would already be over, let's say. Let's yep. just say we kept everything open 
Like Pakistan. Yeah. So there's a Pakistan. Can we just can we talk science for a second? Go. So there's an issue with that. The, so so the curve, right? Like what you're talking yeah. about, that's a line. And the and the line is denoting like let's just and I'm not even talking about with COVID. I'm just talking about like with any chart. Yeah. The line is going up and it's going to a number. So if it goes to 200, in theory, underneath it is 200. If it goes to 300, underneath it is 300. Yeah, but so then two weeks later, what's it at? And then three weeks later, what's it at? And so then a month later. So the issue is that if something is exponential, right, like virus spread, then if you go to 200, you're more likely to go to 400 than if you went to only 50. And so yeah, like, but I'm, my point is you can't same. stop it though. You can't stop it. Well, you can. You you can literally. So, like, look, you could get COVID or you could not get COVID. So, point like from a practical matter, we can absolutely limit. Like in theory, if the country wanted to just no, lock but then when it, re- when it when it reopens, down. then when it reopens, you're gonna get those cases. That, so that's not exactly true, but we don't no, know exactly. True. Well, if no. you look at so you're we saying, have data from every country in the world. So you're saying that there is a finite number of people who will get a finite number of people who can get COVID. And that they will no matter what. A finite number. Not saying you're saying it's the same yes. people, but you're saying like the number is 278,000 or whatever. And that's like, we can't get more. We can't get 900, but we also will will get 278 no matter well, what. That's what you're saying. That's your yes. theory. Well, at some point, you're going to reach herd immunity, right? So, like Pakistan, have you looked at it? You no, know, you haven't looked at Pakistan's numbers, right? No. So, impoverished country, right? Sure. Uh, you know, poor. You don't believe the mandate. media, but you believe Pakistan. No, no, numbers. no. I've looked at charts of Pakistan. 150 numbers. countries. Yeah, but the right? charts are the charts are just data that was given. So my point data, is, you believe right. the data that's coming out of Pakistan? Well, it's the same. The chart is the same as every fucking other country. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, sure. so listen. All right. Everybody said Arizona, Texas, Florida. Remember like uh, two months ago, whatever. Yeah, I remember. It was, right. Mm-hmm. So if you look at their chart, if you look at the Arizona chart, yep. it looks the exact same as New York. Just Four months later, right? Does you know what I mean. Florida as, looks the same. Does it look the same as Missouri? Like, did Missouri get to the same place New York got? They Probably, didn't. yes. No, they no, just didn't. no. If you look at the curve, what do you mean? Like, there are less cases in the well, state of Missouri. Less. No, but th- but what you're missing is don't talk to me about a curve like that. that what listen, do you mean? You're one of the smarter people I know, but sometimes you say dumb shit like that's well, I don't, dumb. Uh, what do you mean? The I'm curve. The there scientists. is no such thing as a curve. Can we let's do it as a bar graph instead? Then we'll call it a bar. All right. Um, Corey. The state of New York has had more cases than the state of Missouri. They are not. They are not the same chart. They are not the same chart. Yeah. You're thinking. Per, you're telling me per capita, it's the same chart. Really? Yes. Per capita. Yes. Okay. Look at the um, look at the Southwest. Look at the Northeast. Look at the uh, Pakistan. Look at Sweden. Look at England. Look at China. Well, China. You, so you I'm don't googling know. COVID cases per capita by state. Look at pods itself, right? New Jersey's number one in the world. New York is number two in the world. No, they're all, what do you mean they're all ranked? They're tied for one because every state has the same curve. Remember, you just told me that. No. You literally just told me that. I don't understand what you mean. You just told me that every case, that every Do it per 100 million people, per 10,000 people, whatever. The chart is the same. The numbers are different. Okay. But the numbers are what the chart is counting. Yes. So how can the chart be the same if the numbers are different? The how? It's how? less people. What do you mean? I don't understand. So look, I don't even understand what you're saying. Okay, Corey, let's do it like this. Listen, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Rhode Island has less people, so they're going to have less cases. Okay, so let's do it like this. Watch this. Okay. So I I currently have pulled up. Yep. A list, and again, in fairness, like I cannot speak to the validity or not of this right. list. I can tell you that this list says the rate of coronavirus COVID-19 mm-hmm. cases in the United States as of September 7th, 2020 yep. by state per 100,000. 
So that that levels the population. That That's you're, that, okay. exactly what I'm saying. So Louisiana, thirty-two eighty-eight. Florida, three zero one zero. Mississippi, twenty-nine nineteen. Arizona, twenty-eight twenty-seven. Alabama, twenty-six ninety-nine. Georgia, twenty-six sixty-seven. South Carolina, twenty-four twenty-seven. Right, so look, we keep going, right? New York's twenty-two five nine. Iowa, twenty-two two five. Jersey, twenty-one eighty-five. Point that I'm trying to make here, and we can see more data, okay? The point yeah, that I'm trying to make is, here is this is cases, right? Per per hundred thousand. So all right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. And well, listen, New York and New Jersey, and Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, we hit that way before. All other, so the oh, other way ones before. are still going up. But but, right? wait, but what, listen, hospitalizations is the is okay. the that that should be the metric. Okay, so, hospitalization. So we can look at that next. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. I'm I'm not dispute. I'm talking about the. So here, look, Vermont has had two hundred and sixty four cases per, per hundred thousand. Yep. Okay, and the state of Louisiana has had 3288 per 100,000. Right. Those curves do not look the same. No, they, they just do. don't. They do. Yes. So what do they look the same as? Put them uh, up. In what way? What do you mean in what way? What is the curve measuring? Vermont has a lot less people than Louisiana. It measures your peak. It measures your peak. The curve measures the peak. Corey, but it's per 100,000. Exactly. It's per 100,000. Exactly. No, so my point is that levels those numbers, then it's not relevant. It's not relevant then what the population is. Like, in other words, per 100,000 people. So, look, if it was total number of cases and it was 3,000 in New York and five and 325 in Vermont, then your argument would make sense. But the point is, no, it's per 100,000. So that means that Vermont's curve looks something like this. And yeah, because New York's curve looks something like this. <laughs> okay. Listen, first of all, you're going state by state. Yeah. I'm going country by country. Vermont, obviously, you're going to have less cases uh, normalized for population in less dense states, right? No one's, getting, no one's going to get COVID in Vermont because you don't live in a city. I'm going to keep it real. I don't, I'm, I don't want to pivot and discuss, like, like, why. I get it. There's reasons, okay? I'm not arguing that there's not reasons. I'm just saying. What I'm saying is your, your statement that the curve looks the same. It does. And that, and that no matter what, we're going to get to X. Is nonsensical. It's just it's based Listen, not on reality. The longer you keep the virus around, yep, the more chances it has to mutate. That's a different. Is that argument. correct? So or yes, I don't know. So I'm not a sign. I literally don't know the answer to that. I'm not. I'm not playing games with you. I just don't know. So if you know, then cool. Okay. Uh, what, what I, what I can say. say to you is, without knowing if a scientist has ever said that or smurfed it, I have no idea. I can say that that sounds logical to me. Right? I follow you. Of course. That makes sense to me. Well, they said it. First that of all, they already said it. It's already okay. mutated in America. So that is, I believe that too. That is a different, a radically different argument than saying that stopping the spread doesn't matter because the curve is going to be the same I anywhere. No, That's what you said. You said the curve I did is not the same say, anywhere. I didn't say stopping the spread wasn't important. Listen, stopping the spread was important for hospitalizations and keeping beds open. Okay. Okay. Right? Yep. But- if you stay locked down, right? So, say, if, we, so if we open schools, if right? we open schools, mm -hmm. and kids are going to get coronavirus, okay. and they're going to bring it home, and people, more people are going to get it. And yes. what about the kids that get myocarditis? Listen, Avi. First of all, I, you didn't even let me finish my thought about if schools should be open or not. Okay, so finish that thought. I am afraid that if you don't open schools, those underprivileged kids are left behind. Hundred percent, okay? you're right there. So I and would pay 
teachers who are willing to go into the city, go into impoverished areas, go to, into underprivileged areas. I would pay them more to go into schools and have them open. Okay. I rock with you there. Okay. Okay, that's I, would make it, I would make it by, I would make it completely by choice, right? Okay. And I think, I, here's what I don't think. Yep. I, here's what I think is the worst thing to happen. Okay. A hybrid, right? So now you Sharon's have, doing. now what you have, now, exactly. But now you have, so the teachers have the same exposure yep. and double the work. That's, that's exactly, they have the same exposure. Yeah. They're s still seeing every kid, right? And now Maybe have in to, some ways, in some ways it could be argued that they have more exposure because the kids that aren't in school that day now need childcare. So now they might be exposed to more. It might hybrid argue. You could very easily argue that. I hybrid think that's the worst. I mean, I, I'd rather just have all virtual or I, me personally, I think all going back to school would be the best case for, for the, uh, getting rid of the virus sooner. Okay. That being said, I completely understand parents don't want to do it, whatever, mm -hmm. but what our teachers, I am don't a, do it. teachers don't want to do it. Right. But listen, my thing with teachers is it just some of them are extremely hypocritical, and some of these unions are just like, you know, it's just insane to me. Where so it's like you can I post shit online of you doing whatever. I one hundred percent agree with you there. I personally know teachers who told me have told me that it's crazy for them to have to go into the building and then are traveling with their with their families. Right. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm here. You. Uh, you, you know what I mean? So, but like. I just, I just don't like the idea of underprivileged kids not going to school, right? Well, especially when it's like you're speaking uh, my language. There. I'm with you there, 100. Um, food security, and, safety, reporting, and, and you know, all that. and you know, statistically, children are at like such a low level of of getting seriously ill. That, that part, that part, as a parent, I, no, I no, acknowledge no, extremely it. scary. So and I, that's why, I acknowledge it statistically. That's why you give like, the parents the choice, right? Like right? I'm like the my biggest fear. It's my second biggest fear with COVID would be my wife being sick. Um, that would be really, really, really difficult on my family. It would be emotionally difficult for me. Um, the fears, the anxieties that I would have would be through the roof. Um, my biggest fear would be one of my kids getting sick. Yeah, um, of course. For me, like, if I got sick, like, look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Kirk Cousins. Like, I'm not like, well, if it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. Um, but, yeah, I think as a father, you get to a point, same, I'm sure the same for my wife as a mother. Like, I'm not saying that it's different for a father than it is for a mother. But as, as, a, as I can only be me, as a man who's a father, for me, you do get to a point where you're just like, I'd much rather be fighting for my life, knowing, like, worst case scenario, my family's going to still be here and they'll be all right, than watching one of them even, even, like, be kind of okay. But the fear being yeah. that they could... Right, like I can't, I wouldn't be able to stomach that, and, Listen, and that's my biggest fear. And exactly, I mean, of course, it's all about the children, right? And then you, know, you waste a teacher too, but she's teaching remote, bro. They they offered it to her. Yeah, so those, but those students that don't have the ability to to learn virtually, right? Sure. Or don't have food for breakfast. Yep. Right, and now their mom might not have a job. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's like. You can't just forget about all these other kids that school is like they're saving grace. Yep. You know what I mean? Like every single day. Okay. Mm -hmm. Back to the herd immunity part because it does play into this. Okay. So now there's been multiple studies on this and not just in America, but the seroprevalence of coronavirus. I don't even know what that means. Man. Okay. So what do you think? How many people would need to get infected for us to reach herd immunity? 70%. Wrong. 
I've seen these studies that say 50. Nope. What is it? So that's counting. You're not counting uh, the B cells. Okay. Okay. There's been at least three studies now. One major German one. They said, at 50, I think it was 56% of the people that they tested had some B cell immunity towards uh, coronavirus. Okay. And it's because some of the common colds, there's four common colds. Oh, I have the Sharon School Committee meeting up right now. This I'll try to mute it, but. There's four common colds that are coronavirus colds. Yep. So there's data that says if you caught, caught in one of those colds, you have B cell immunity, right? So what they're finding now is um, herd immunity might be reached closer to 20, 25, 30% because you don't need to have had COVID if you caught one of these colds, right? There's some of these were like 20 years ago. And these people tested did not never tested positive for COVID. Okay. So again, like, look, I haven't seen that study. I haven't seen that, but no, that know. makes sense to me. I follow. Of course. That would explain why 3,000 people can be on a cruise ship and only 700 get sick. Exactly. That makes sense. Okay. Exactly. And, and my biggest problem with I hope I had one of in those general, <laughs> I hope I had one of those you, you very well could have. You know what I mean? And that's why everybody talked about antibodies, antibodies. Oh, they might not last. They might not last. Yeah, but you might have already had immunity just from having a cold eight years ago. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... My biggest problem is when people say, listen to the scientists, and then it's like, no, no, only listen to the scientists that I believe. Because there's a lot of conflicting opinions. There's been, at one point, right, you could, in New York, you could go to the beach. I mean, you could go in the water, but you couldn't, you couldn't lounge on the beach. Okay. All right? Yeah, this is, uh, so this is actually super important, because I'm, I'm, I might be joint, I'm trying to get on the school committee. And so, like, I, I meet with them on Monday night in front of the whole town and everything. And, like, uh. I can't not watch the school committee meeting. I'm sorry. I, well, I didn't not know listen to it. Anyway. I'm trying. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get happened. up in a second. Hey, we'll call them up. We'll go live on that thing. Yeah, they, uh, right. they they actually mute it because this guy like this guy like bombs onto it. He's like, rah, rah. um, but anyway, I, you just can't. You, when you say list the scientists, you actually have to listen to it. And I'll, I'll give you a nice Twitter account to follow this scientist okay. that he posts the charts of every country. Cool. Pakistan. Okay. Po impoverished. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. Sure. They didn't do anything. Okay. So I think like. Yeah. New York, New York City. All right, I got you. I got you. It takes so, 141 tests for right, one positive. I, I got you. So before we get off, I just want to ask, like, um, yes, I like the so, Patriots. Were, so yeah, yeah. Were you? Uh, well, so what do you? I mean, you like the Celtics right now? I love tonight, the Celtics against tonight. the Raptors. I the love game them. Must already started. One of the next two, for sure. Yeah, one of the next two skills. Like, if if anything if, can happen if, in Game Seven, if there's that bowling ball named Kyle Lowry can beat you, then you know you weren't worth anything anyway. Uh, He's a bowling I, ball. Anyway, I hope they do it tonight. Uh, I've been listening real quick to a lot of. I mean, I always listen to a lot of Nipsey Hustle, but I was listening to a lot of like interviews and songs. I was just kind of like sad two days ago, like just listening to Nipsey Hustle stuff, and um, he's just like a once in a generation American, in my opinion, and uh, and that kind of stuff. Is there anybody? Any, have you listened? To, you don't listen to like new rap music at all, right? No, only Caden uh, uh, plays me because he's got some new. So he, uh, so Big Sean just put an album out, and Nipsey was on it, and uh, so it's called uh, Street Reverence, and uh, I recommend it highly. It's a dope track. Um, anyway, all right. Any parting thoughts before we get off? Nope. Um, but anybody out there wants more information on COVID nineteen? COVID nineteen Crusher on Twitter. Nice. This guy is a beast. I don't know. I, he might be Brazilian or something. Who knows? He just man. posts. He just does he post conspiracy theory? No, theory? all he does is post scientific shit and right, like cool. shit that we'll never understand. All right, I dig it. All right, cool. Uh, that was heat in Celtics, the kitchen. Appreciate Pats, you guys. Go Celtics. Go Pats. Uh, oh, well, yeah. we're not homers here. Go we gotta, we gotta rip them. All right, <laughs> peace yeah. out. Yeah.